The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. I wish our leaders in Washington would take their cues from the people they're supposed to be leading. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right, Betty, look what happens after, whether it's Hurricane Harvey, whether it's Hurricane Michael that devastated the Gulf Coast of Florida where I now live. What do you see? Americans are the most wonderful, generous, and caring, compassionate people, and they sacrificially give. Governor Mike Huckabee helps us see how we can be an example that others will follow and carry forward into future generations. Next on Life Today. so delighted to have our Governor Huckabee with us today. What a special treat. Yeah, and he's like he's like America's governor. It doesn't matter who we are, James and Betty. It's just amazing. He's written a new book, Rare, Medium, and Done Well. It doesn't have anything to do with cooking. But he's written some books about cooking, so I guess he just kind of kept the same vein. But he's talking about living well and not just living a lightweight effect life. And I'm just really, really grateful that Mike Huckabee's back with us. Would you give him a good life today? Welcome. <laughs> We're glad to have you. Thank you. You will be here all week. And I, I've asked you to, to talk about the book, but also in light of the fact that you are a statesman. I think, I don't think we have a greater statesman in our country. That's just my opinion. Very kind. And I really, I'm amazed at just the wisdom that flows through you and the lightheartedness and the hopefulness. And yet the words of correction, done in a way that you would wish every father could communicate correction the way you do. Thank you for that. But I also ask you to, uh, to speak with your governor's hat and with your pastor's hat. You and I had the joy of seeing a miracle occur, and I really believe it was a miracle because you and I were Southern Baptists. I was a Southern Baptist evangelist. Everybody said Billy Graham and I were the most visible Southern Baptists. Well, that had been probably a true statement. Absolutely true. Yeah. And we had a Southern Baptist Sunday school teacher that loved the Lord in the White House. And yet Billy Graham called a prayer meeting along with Bill Bright and some others and invited me to get Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, and our pastor at the time, Jimmy Draper. And we prayed a couple of days. And Billy said very clearly, God's told me we're going to lose freedom. We got three years. Hmm. And I heard it standing in Red Square. And I need, we need to do something. We prayed. Okay, you know what happened. We prayed. Billy asked if anybody could go see Mr. Reagan because he felt like he could communicate and he wondered if he had principles. And you know those meetings occurred. They were miraculous. They were. And then you actually set up the meeting that in the reunion arena where suddenly it was like Mr. Reagan suddenly was heard. He said, he said to evangelical Christians, and business leaders, I know you cannot endorse me. You're nonpartisan. But I only said that because I want you to know I endorse you and what you're doing. Boom. It's a powerful moment. What effect? You know, we know what it did to the nation. It, it basically, I think, I think freedom got an extension. I believe he did do things right in answer to prayer, which I think we really need to keep praying because some prayers are being answered. What effect did that have on you? Because here you are a pastor. When you left us, you went to pastor, basically in your home state. 
What, what happened to you? And then I want you to track the journey a little bit because suddenly you're not a pastor. You're a governor of a neighboring state. What happened? You know, I, I didn't expect to be a pastor. My first life was communications and advertising, uh, working for you. And even before that, paying my way through school in radio and, and even in television. And I really originally went back to Arkansas to run for office. And then through a series of circumstances, God put me in a pastorate. And I'm thinking, what's this about? <laughs> I was there for just under 12 years, two different churches. That was really an advanced school for me to learn people. And, and something I don't think a lot of people have ever thought, but uh, I, I would say this for every person out there, your pastor understands people like nobody else in the community. He sees every social pathology there is and can put a name and a face to it. Because whether it's a, an elderly couple who's having to figure out how to pay for their medicine, or a middle-aged couple who are having to take care of their aging parents, or a young couple who are struggling with being parents and raising children, or parents of teenagers uh, who get on drugs and they're just beside themselves, whether it's the teenage girl who's 14 and pregnant and she hasn't even told her parents yet, who's the first person she may tell? Her pastor. So the pastor is the one guy in the community that sees life in the full spectrum from birth to the grave, everything in between. He sees the best, he sees the worst. God used that period of my life. Uh, I thought it was sort of that, that's all I'll be. That's what I'll be for the rest of my life and I will finish my life as a pastor. And then the Lord brought a series of circumstances, put that, I guess, rebirth of a vision to run for office, and I did, ended up through a series of things, becoming lieutenant governor and then governor. And then I could understand why those years in the pastorate were so very vital in preparing me uh, to be a much different, and I think a much better governor than I would have ever been had I just gone into politics from the world of broadcasting. Um, and part of it is this, and I think, President Reagan gave us all a template of understanding that you can get a lot more done when you maintain a sense of humor, when you maintain a sense of optimism and hope, which he was so good at doing. I went into a political environment, James, that you well know was hostile. Unbelievable. My door to the office of Lieutenant Governor on the day I was sworn in was nailed shut from the inside. It remained nailed for 59 days. It was done by the order of Webb Hubble, who was working at the Clinton White House at the time. They were so angry that a Republican was elected that that was my welcome wagon gift. A door nailed shut with physical nails. All the office equipment was taken out. By the way, out. some of those people are still alive and kicking around all over the U.S. Some of them went to prison. They really did. Quite a few. Um, but, you know, it was through that experience that uh, I, I realized I could be angry. I could, you know, have a conniption fit in the halls of the Capitol. Instead, um, we decided that the meaner they got, the nicer we would be. The more belligerent they were, the more cooperative we would become. Because you can't win a battle. You didn't use the word compromising with principal things. No, either. When you, you said you cooperative, you're like, we're going to approach our goals and right. our challenges together. You compromise the things that are non-essential. You stand fast on the convictions you have. For example, if it's the issue of sac uh, sanctity of life, you can't compromise that. It's either right or wrong to kill an unborn child. Mm -hmm. What do you compromise? 
without losing your, your values and losing really your conscience. But let's say if it's uh, whether the tax rate should be 6.1% or 6.3%. I mean, that's where you compromise because ultimately your job is to get things done. What I found was that uh, politics, when it's completely done, on the horizontal level is a zero-sum game. And by horizontal, I mean left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. Most people, particularly the political operatives, play politics horizontally. Everything is left, right, liberal, conservative, Democrat, Republican. Here's how you can win if you're not in the majority. You play politics vertically. And rather than it being left and right, liberal and conservative, you make it about being up and down better or worse. So rather than say, let's get the Republican idea of education, what you say is, let's talk about how to improve schools for everybody, Absolutely. whether you're rich, poor, Absolutely. black, white, whether you're Democrat, Republican, because everybody wants a better school for their kid. Everybody wants a better road to, to, to drive on. Everybody would rather have a better health care system. Those aren't horizontal issues. Those are vertical issues. You present them vertically. And that's what I think we're losing and missing sometimes in our political cycle today. Everything becomes horizontal, and that means somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose, and sometimes both sides lose. But you know who really loses? The, the American people. They're losing. They're the ones who are being inconvenienced, and they're the ones who are being troubled. So we need to be thinking, how do we translate these, uh, these messages in a vertical manner? And that's... Uh, that, I think, was the big challenge that I had when I had a 90 percent Democrat majority uh, to work with in the legislature. Ninety percent. It was the most lopsided in the country, by the way. You saw what can only be described as a miracle. You saw that state become a very red state, right? Yeah. And it wasn't because you had some knockdown drag out. You began to do things that were effective. You were even criticized when the population voted to do something about your roads yeah. that we in Texas didn't like driving on. Yeah, no, you didn't. <laughs> we didn't like it too much either. <laughs> you see, but that was, that was the people saying, we yeah. want this, and you got criticized as being a compromiser because they voted in something that would improve their roads. See, this is common sense, yeah. and you, you led in that way, and the whole state flipped. And it wasn't a matter of we suddenly, as Democrats, quit caring about other people. We just found out that making people dependent upon us might not actually be helping us. Why don't we find out how we can help them? And they began to work. And Arkansas, in so many ways, became a beautiful example. Mm. I mean, you even rescued as many people from Katrina with the resources and things you had as any other state, including the big state of Texas. Our governor told me that. He yeah. praised what you'd done there and what the people of Arkansas did. In other words, you saw what I think you're talking about happening right here. You saw people do something well, and it changed the thinking of the state. Now, I gotta ask you this. Do you believe that our nation could get well and not be waving just their party banner, but be waving the banner of truth in love and actually see our whole nation get better? Do you believe we could see the kind of wonderful change that's positive like you witnessed as a governor? Oh, I think there's no doubt we could. One of the things that has to happen is that the people who are entrenched in power in Washington either need to be revived or replaced. Because under the present system, they're so much more interested in their side winning, or maybe I should say they're more interested in the other side losing, mm -hmm. 
They're not even interested in them winning. They're, they just want the other side to lose. James, there are some things that we ought to unite about. When it comes to, we're talking about health care. That's an issue for many people. Absolutely. And, and there shouldn't be a, a Democrat or Republican solution. No. There ought to be an American solution Absolutely. to say that people should be able, when they get cancer, to know that they're going to be able to access a treatment that they can afford. That won't mean that they've got to sell their home and their cars and, and uh, you know, give up everything they've ever had. That can be done, but it can't be done as long as two sides are sitting apart from each other, yelling and screaming and doubting the motives of the other. We have a lot of infrastructure needs, $4 trillion of infrastructure needs, roads, bridges, water and sewer systems in this country, airports that need to be rebuilt. These are major things that would put people to work that would invest billions of dollars in long-lasting structures. Uh, talking about, you know, a jobs program, there's nothing better than to have people. And by the way, you can't outsource the construction of a road. You can't send it to Beijing and ask them <laughs> would they build it and ship it back UPS. <laughs> you got to do it here. So who wins? Americans do. Sure. Now, that shouldn't be controversial. It shouldn't be something that we fight about. It ought to be something we unite about. And when even it comes to uh, our, our security, I know there's a lot of controversy about a wall, a fence. And, but look, we lock our doors at night, don't we? Sure. Of course we do. Many people live behind gated communities. And most of the people in Washington who say we shouldn't have, you know, a wall that is immoral, they live behind a wall. <laughs> and if you've ever been to Washington, it is one great big wall city. <laughs> Jerusalem never had the kind of security. <laughs> and walls that they got in Washington, for heaven's sakes. So these people need to recognize that the American people just want uh, what they have. Mm -hmm. they, they want access to safety so that when their children are playing, uh, they're secure in their homes, in their lawn, on their yards, in their parks, and at their schools. That shouldn't be hard. What would you Don't like to you ask? Don't you think the people of America, not the leaders, not all those up there in Congress and everywhere else. The people have a heart to reach out and help others. We see it all the time, GoFundMe, you know, for these yeah. people that have been devastated in loss and tragedy and people just flock to help them. So it's the heart of the people to want to come together. I, I wish our leaders in Washington would take their cues from the people they're supposed to be leading. They need to be following them. Mm -hmm. and, and you're right, Betty. Look what happens after, whether it's Hurricane Harvey, whether it's Hurricane Michael that devastated the Gulf Coast of Florida where I now live. Uh, what do you see? Americans are the most wonderful, generous, and caring, compassionate people. And they sacrificially give, not just their money. They do that. But they, they mobilize and they go and they put tarps on roofs that have been exposed by wind and to protect it from the next rain. They take food and pallets of water into a community and give them to people whose water systems don't work because they've been devastated by floods or hurricanes. They go to California where the wildfires have destroyed everything in sight. It looks like an apocalypse. Mm -hmm. And they offer shelter. They offer assistance. They even take pets and take them and care for their pets. I think this is one of the most wonderful things that exemplifies yes, that Americans don't just care about their neighbors. They even care about their dogs and their cats. That may not seem like a lot to people. It means a lot to me yeah. that we care about what matters to those families. It's what you're magnifying in every chapter in this book. 
It's really in every sentence. You're talking about what love can do yeah. and how, in fact, it doesn't fail. We just don't release it enough. We just don't walk in it enough. And this is inspiration to do it. Every time we listen to you on television, you brighten our day. Mm -hmm. They can come to you in the darkest moment and you will brighten our day. I believe, I believe you're an answer to prayer. I believe God answers prayer. And I got to be honest with you, I see hope for the future. I see actually a turn as a positive possibility for America. Do you agree that that is a real possibility? I think it's a real possibility. And I think it'll happen first spiritually and then politically, not the other way around. Absolutely. A lot of people think if we can just get the right people elected, then we'll have a spiritual revival. No, if we have the spiritual revival and people get their priorities straight, if they start thinking about what matters ultimately rather than immediately. They think about the legacy. Then God will answer those prayers and we'll see people. It won't just be different politicians, James. It'll be some of the same people who have a new heart and Absolutely. a new spirit. Or you'll have a person that has that heart run for the office and take it. You're yeah. already seeing that. We're seeing some of the brightest lights. And by the yeah. way, many of our women that just glow. I think the outside the Holy Spirit, the greatest source of inspiration and positive impact on the planet is the impact of women. I believe that with all my heart. And I am watching this. We, what would we be without our wives? We're yeah. sunk. We're done. Everybody knows we're toast without yeah. them. Okay. <laughs> would you say thanks to Governor Huckabee for being with us, for writing a book, for being just an incredible example? The governor's going to be with us all this week. And governor, you know, we talk about wanting to help others. I, I believe our audience are the most helpful people on the planet. Uh, our missionary, Peter Pretorius, that oversaw all of Africa, went to be with the Lord. His son is sitting out here with his wife. Esau is sitting here. And Esau is uh, going to follow up where dad was, he and his wife and the family, and Peter's wife, Ann. But here's a man that gave his life to help others. And I would many times, Betty and I both would say to Peter and to all the missionaries, you all are the greatest Christians in the world. And Peter would always say, no, the greatest Christians in the world are the people who see the need that we're seeking to meet. And they enable us to meet it. They enable us to be here and we're not empty handed. We're able to give them the hope we offer because of people who watch life today and Christians who help us. Those are the greatest Christians in the world. I believe that. Isak, we're with you. We're with all of the outreaches that we've been partnering with for a long time, a long time. And I praise God for it. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to look right into a mother's heart. And then I want you to be the miracle that she and other mothers long for. And you can be the perfect miracle. We've gotten a chance to spend some time with Leah today and getting to hear her story, uh, come to find out we have 
a lot in common. We're both widowed. When I come into these places and I see their water sources and knowing that it's, it's a very hopeless situation for them, that water itself has brought death to her family. I would love to extend a hand of hope to Leah and many people just like her, especially in this village, to be able to come in here and drill a well that will give her life and life more abundantly. That would take away the hardship that you feel, that would take away some of the pain that you feel. To know that you have fresh water every single day, I know that's what you asked me for. So I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna ask you, would you please consider helping Leah and many, many people just like her right here in this village. And I am hopeful that out of our own obedience that we respond in Jesus' name. I promise you, it won't be in vain. You know, Betty, I, I don't think there's anyone who can watch that. And uh, I think most of you know Tammy Trent, great musician, great artist, great writer. Her husband drowned and he was a swimmer. And so she's been single, but she's a missionary and she's full of life. So she understands the pain of death. And here's, she lost a husband in water. These people are losing their family because of water. And what goes on in your heart? Because our viewers are the answer to that heart cry. I mean, they're the, they're the perfect solution. You really are. You are so important to what God wants to do to you. As Tammy said, reach out in hope, a hand of hope, offer your help so that these children won't have to die. And these family members won't have to die because of the contaminated water. I think about that wife, that mother, that mo especially a mother. She probably doesn't even tell her children when she goes after the water. This water's gonna kill you. Drink it, it's gonna kill you. She couldn't do that, but she knows. She knows in her heart what it's do gonna do to her children. So please join with us. Let's let her have a choice to offer her children fresh, clean, pure water. Please do it for the children. When you see the joy in a little village from all the families, just water coming out, out of the ground. See, in most of those places, we know there's subsurface water because there'll be boreholes that become filthy and contaminated and they become killers. We can access it. That's the reason we're able to drill in most villages for an average of $4,800. You walk in with a miracle and put it in the center of their life. That's why we've been able to win millions and millions of people to Christ. When they see love, they're willing to listen to the story of love because it becomes so believable. God expressed his love in giving us his son and offering us life. That's what we're giving them. And then we tell them when we give them water for life about the water of life. And millions have not only had their lives saved, they've come to Christ. You're making this happen. Our viewers tell us that we love to do everything that the missionaries do and support them but nothing gives us greater joy than giving them water. 
for Jesus to say, if you just give a cup of water, you won't lose your reward. By the way, I think it's reward enough just to know we're an answer to mother's prayers. Their kids are going to have a life. They're going to have a future. When I give, I don't think about what's in it for me. I think about what love's doing for them. Would you right now take your bank card, go get it, or get a check. Get your bank card, use it like a check. Dial that number. It's a lifeline right now. Always a prayer line, but right now it's a lifeline. Would you dial it? And by the way, if you ever get a busy, say, thank God people are calling. But you call until you get through, and you make the gift God puts on your heart. The wells are $4,800. Could you drill a well? I pray you will, if you can. 1,200, three people join you, another well. 2,400, another joins you, another well. $48. 10 people basically water the rest of their life. That's what it does in their village. Would you do that? Whatever level you can help, please do. We've got some beautiful gift offers to send you. If you'd like to have Governor Huckabee's book, I'm telling you, you won't be able to put it down. It's going to inspire you to be the source of hope and light for the neighbors and people you know. It'll bless you. If you'd like to have it, you say, you know, James, I'm going to, I'm going to give a cup of water. I'm going to give that. Would you send me Mike's book too? Yes, we will. Be glad to. Thank you so much for going online or dialing that number. Thanks for the gift. Today, a mother living in extreme poverty will do the unthinkable. Give her children dirty, disease-filled water that she knows could kill them. With no other choice, what's a mother to do? With your help, clean water is on the way. Mission Water for Life provides a way for parents to save the lives of their children, to offer them a bright future free from the fear of death. With your gift today, you can help drill and establish the first 200 water wells of the year. Your gift of $24 will help provide clean water for five children. A gift of $48 will help provide for 10, $72 will provide for 15, and $144 will help provide life-giving water for 30 people for a lifetime. With your gift, we'll send you the Praying Grace 55-Day Devotional. This new devotional will help you renew your mind to the realities of God's grace and help you pray powerful grace-based prayers for each day. With your gift of $100 or more, request the Praying Grace Tumbler this reusable 16-ounce container is constructed with insulated stainless steel, perfect for hot or cold beverages. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help provide water for 250 people, or a gift of $4,800 to help sponsor a complete well, and you may request a beautiful new commemorative bronze sculpture safe in the shepherd's arms. Please call, write, or make your gift online. You know, I know many of you are going to enjoy this incredible gift. And, you know, you can't think about drinking something without realizing how important it is to have clean drinking water and beverages. And by the way, that's what government can do that's really good. And that, uh, thank God they do. They can do some things really, really well <laughs> if they just will. And I think what you tell us is how we can help everything be done better. And I want to thank you for it. Would you say thanks to Governor Huckabee for being here? Thank you. We're going to talk to you in the next program, too. So Governor Huckabee will be here again. Tell everyone to watch.
I know this, that weakness in God's hands becomes strength. Best-selling author Sheila Walsh, tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.